0: conclusion I'm your host John Leonard Greetings, listeners. Today on The Guide Conclusion, I want to speak to you for a few minutes about intelligent design. And the first thing I want to say about intelligent design is that, in my opinion, intelligent design is not science. It's a philosophy. It's, in fact, a competing philosophy. The alternative belief is specifically and most precisely known as Universal Common Descent. But the more popular term for that is evolutionary biology. And I'm going to argue that Universal Common Descent is not the only explanation for the diversity of life that we see today. Universal Common Descent is the idea that all of life today is literally related by descent with modification to the very first living organism on the planet. And that first organism, which was an autotroph, which means it consumed only inorganic material for food, meaning sunlight or carbon dioxide or some other substance that is converted to food that's inorganic. And then from that first creature, every plant and every animal that we know and see today is descended with modifications, of course. And that is something that people can believe. Um, The point of this conversation is not to claim or pretend that intelligent design is the only potential or the only possible explanation for the diversity of life but i do want to contrast it to the alternative which is universal common descent intelligent design theory requires a creator to explain creation And when I get into these conversations about the existential questions, and I speak with more secular minded people, atheists, about my theories and beliefs regarding the origin of the universe, the origin of life, and the origin of consciousness, I boil down the argument to two basic alternatives. And those are the universe was planned or the universe was unplanned. Very simple. And that covers all the options. My critics like to say that I'm violating a logical fallacy known as the law of the excluded middle, where there is a third option that is being ignored. But my response to that is, tell me what the third option is. A planned accident is planned. It's not an accident. So the universe was either planned, which means it's here for a purpose or it's here for a reason. It's here by design or the universe is unplanned, which means it's an accident. It's a series of fortuitous events that culminated in the existence of you and me. Very interesting that the same people that claim that I'm violating this law of the excluded middle, then turn around when I say that intelligent design is the alternative to universal common descent, they say, oh no, there's only one option that fits all of the scientific evidence that we see, and that's universal common descent. And that's nonsense. You you can't go from... An argument where you say you can't be limited to two options, and then the very next argument becomes there is only one option. That's ridiculous. My goal is not to eliminate universal common descent as a potential explanation for life. I'm only trying to point out that it's not the only option, and it's not even the most logical option. You have to forgive me. I've taken some notes because I tried this several times unscripted and failed miserably in recording this session. So I did write some notes and I'm referring to them, which is why my head's looking down instead of in the camera. And I'm reading instead of just talking. But my point is that, There's a group of atheists led by none other than Richard Dawkins who will argue the point that we're not supposed to look at what seems to be or what appears to be an obvious product of intelligent design and conclude that it is the product of intelligent design. We're not supposed to trust our own eyes in our own beliefs, our own judgment, we're supposed to defer to their quote-unquote expert opinion as they look at these DNA strands under the microscope, and they say, well, there are these similarities and that proves universal common descent. And I'm sorry, that's the argument is more complicated than that. The argument for universal common descent Can basically be restricted to biology. But the argument for intelligent design is comprehensive. It it incorporates everything from the Big Bang to abiogenesis, cosmic inflation, and then whether or not there is evolution can also be considered. The evidence for universal common descent comes in three forms there is comparative anatomy there's the fossil record, and there's DNA analysis. Each of these different methods have their own strengths and weaknesses. Comparative anatomy is great for doing analysis when you're comparing very similar organisms that have the same morphological form. Apes and humans, for example, very good to do comparative anatomy and say, see a lot of similarities between a bonobo ape In a human being, maybe the bonobo and the human share an ancestor farther back on the evolutionary tree. It's not very good when it comes to comparing very dissimilar organisms. A jellyfish or a fish of any type to a human being is a very poor comparison between the anatomy of the one organism versus the anatomy of the other. Similarly, or the fossil record, I should say, has a different set of issues involved with it. The fossil record does provide us some evidence of organisms that lived that don't fit in neatly into a biblical narrative. The fossil record isn't great. There are very few skeletons that are fully formed. Most fossils are extrapolations where they find one or two bones that they might even find a pinky bone and extrapolate what the entire organism looked like from that one digit, which is pretty ridiculous if you ask me. It's in computers, we had a term for that called SWAG, which stood for sweeping wild derriere guess. Derriere doesn't fit in, but the other word is not something that I want to be saying on a podcast. DNA can show similarities between two different organisms, but it doesn't explain how these similarities came to be. When you look at a human... And you look at an ape, they say there's 99% DNA match between humans and chimps. And that's arguable because the chimp genome is longer, and they're only comparing the two sequences that match. They ignore all of the chimp genome that doesn't match, and it seems to be bigger than the human genome. I've done a biology thought experiment where I tried to take an honest and legitimate mental approach to understanding how an ape could evolve into a human, knowing what the biologists are using, I should say, what the biologists have told us are the mechanisms sympatric speciation having separation as is an isolation of a breeding population? I took all those factors into the account in this thought experiment, and I have not had anybody come and say, This is what you overlooked, and this is where your experiment is wrong. They just say that your experiment's wrong, and they don't say why. I'm not close to the idea completely that there could be some sort of accident that allows for the difference between a wild Australian dog or a dingo and a domesticated canine or a polar bear and a grizzly bear. I can see that they do share common ancestor, just as a Chinese person and a Caucasian person share a common ancestor. A bear is a bear. A human is a human. Scientists get into this name game where species should apply to an organism type. You know, like there's only one type of human. There's only one type of dog. And then there's subspecies in that spectrum. But that's not the way science does it. There are one species called human. There are five or six species called bear. And there's 600 different species called... I always pronounced it wrong. But anyway, calling things species because of minor variations diminishes the word species so that it has no real meaning. When I talked about the evidence that can be used for universal common descent, I should have pointed out, if I didn't already, that same evidence can be used or it can either be explained away very simply or it can be used identically in the very same manner to show evidence of intelligent design. But in addition to comparative anatomy and the fossil record and DNA analysis, there are aspects of living organisms that there is evidence for intelligent design above and beyond the evidence for universal common descent. The evidence that does not apply very well to universal common descent is in some very specific organisms, such as the anglerfish. And the anglerfish is a very unique animal. It lives in the very bottom of the ocean. And for the longest time, scientists thought that there were only female anglerfish because that's what they were always catching, were the females. And then they finally realized that the male anglerfish is attached to the female basically as a parasite infuses fuses to the female once the mating process has been consummated and lives off of the female anglerfish for the rest of his life is is basically as a parasite and that's a very unique mating strategy that you do not see widespread in the animal kingdom Similarly, I look at the platypus and I say that is evidence that God has a really good sense of humor because the platypus has the beak of a duck. Uh, they used to be called the duckbill platypus, in fact. They have the body of a beaver. They give birth to eggs. They are venomous. And it's like God took a little bit out of every different type of organism and smashed them all together into one creature just so that we would have fun one day trying to figure out the universal common descent and how it applies to this platypus. The octopus, an octopus is such a unique organism that science, Some scientists, I don't know how credible that they are, but they speculated that the, science, that the octopus is actually an extraterrestrial creature, that it did not originate on Earth. It just came to live here somehow. Uh, very interesting argument there. Won't spend a lot of time on it. But if you've ever watched video of octopus, they are extremely intelligent. And that brings me to another point that's not on my notes, but it's the presence of intelligence at all. Why does intelligence exist? If universal common descent is true, then unplanned abiogenesis is true, and an unplanned universe is true. All of these things have to be true for the one theory to be to work to be viable and if you know anything about the research into the origin of the universe the scientists have done calculations on what's known as cosmic fine-tuning and they have come up with a number they said that the probability that this particular universe could have come into existence by random chance is something on the order of one in 10 to the 300th power. And if you know anything about numbers and statistics, that's an absurdly low number. It's comical to think that it's possible even. And because of that improbability there are scientific hypotheses that have been created to accommodate the improbability factor. One of them is multiverse theory and string theory. They These are all ways to try to get around the idea that the universe was planned, that the universe had a designer, that the universe came into existence for a purpose. But then there are in addition to these specific and individual organisms, there are functions or features which humans steal and call intelligent design when they mimic what they've observed in nature. But echolocation navigation, which can be found in bats that are mammals that fly and whales and dolphins, which are mammals that swim in the ocean. All three have echolocation navigation abilities. They're all unique and individual to the specific organism, but they all have it. And the question is why do they all have it? Well. They all need it. But the question, then the question becomes: can things that are needed and necessary come to exist by luck? And I don't think that luck is a very good explanation for anything. I'm not, but I'm not a gambling person. But in addition to the platypus and the octopus and the anglerfish and the archer fish and all of these very unique organisms that have very unique talents and features and amazing creations in my, if you ask me. There is evidence that can be found everywhere from the microscopic level to your fingerprints, to galaxies. And that is called a Fibonacci spiral. And these spiral patterns repeat in nature from the macro, m- micro to the macro scale in spectacular fashion. And similarly, there's another phenomenon known as a Mandelbrot fractal. These are two examples of repeated patterns that exist everywhere from the smallest possible, can't even see it with the naked eye to global scale. And these patterns exist and repeat over and over. And I come from a background in computers. I don't know a lot about existential science other than what I've read. But what I do know a lot about is repeated patterns and what the significance of a pattern is. The ability to recognize a pattern is a sign of intelligence. And... The bottom line of this whole argument is we know intelligence exists. We get, we, we see examples of it. The fact that we're able to communicate, I'm speaking into a microphone and recording this information and you're able to play it back and listen to it. That is all information that increases intelligence. There's a difference between raw data, which is just everything out there, and processed information, which is taking everything that's out there and condensing it down to something that has meaning. And the fact is, in the argument for universal common descent, there is no explanation for why. Intelligence exists at all. None. Everything is the result of luck and random chance. And in the world of universal common descent, there is a God, but it's a secular God. It's not called Yahweh. The God's name is time, deep time. If you have enough time, anything becomes possible. Fish become people. The common, excuse me, the cotton rat and the cotton plant can share a common ancestor if just enough time is available. Now, you can believe that if you want, but you need you should understand what it is that you believe. And you shouldn't mock other people for believing in what I would call a real God. A supernatural creator who could literally speak in the universe came into existence. You want to talk about power? Think about that. Thank you for listening to The God Conclusion. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing to this channel. Join us again next week as we continue to seek truth. Quid est veritas.